Welcome to Because That's What Heroes Do, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. As you know from prior episodes, Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative, and I are huge MCU fans. So we've decided to do the MCU movie oeuvre. That's right. We're going to do all of the MCU movies in this special podcast series. But we decided that was not enough. And now we're going to explore the television series that came out over the past few years on MCU characters. Issues raised by each episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will take things from the societal angle, from the social justice angle, from the MCU angle, and perhaps even from the compliance angle. But if you're an MCU fan or you're a compliance fan, I know you'll enjoy this continued exploration of the MCU universe. In this episode, we take up WandaVision 5 on this very special episode. I know you will enjoy this episode of Because That's What Heroes Do. In this episode of WandaVision, entitled on this very special episode, it's set in the 1980s and early 1990s. Wanda and Vision struggle to stop their sons, Billy and Tommy, from crying. Agnes offers to help look after the boys, but Vision questions her behavior. Her and Wanda are interrupted when Billy and Tommy suddenly age up to five years old. When a dog appears at their house, the boys ask to keep it, and Agnes suggests the name Sparky. Wanda almost reveals her abilities to Agnes, which concerns Vision, while the boys age up to 10 years old yet again. At work, Vision reads an email from S.W.O.R.D. that reveals the situation in Westview. He breaks through to a real Westview resident and learns that Wanda is controlling them all. S.W.O.R.D. sends down a drone from the 1980s into Westview, which causes Sparky, the dog, to run off. Haywood orders the drone to be used to kill Maximoff, but she emerges from the barrier with it and warns Hayward to leave her alone. Agnes later finds Sparky dead, or so she claims. Vision confronts Wanda about her actions, but they are interrupted when Pietro arrives. Watching the broadcast, Cat Lewis explains that Pietro has been recast. So it's an interesting episode. I know you'll enjoy it. And now some commentary from Megan and myself. So Megan, we seem to be, I'm not quite sure if things are more confusing. We've got greater clarity or perhaps something different in this episode. I have to start off with, I absolutely loved Agnes with her jazzercise pants on and... (laughs) The uh, big, thick ankle sock. That was a big hit for me. A great way for it to start start it off. But what did you see or what intrigued you about episode five? I thought just on the first level of kind of where we are in the era of television, it was really exciting because we're getting into the era that I can actually remember watching as it was coming out when I was a child. Full House was a big favorite for me and my sister when I was little. So it was fun to see that, that echoed, especially in that opening shot with the picnic in the park. So that was really lovely. And I think plot and theme-wise, this is the episode where things are starting to come apart. 
a little bit. And there's a lot of different things that are showing us that Wanda's losing her grip a little bit on the reality that she's built. And as this is happening, the outside world, and now in the episodes we're getting both storylines, the inside Westview and the outside Westview. So things are, I think, all coming back together. I loved it. And of course, Agnes is always fantastic. So one of the themes that you have, I think, developed for this series has been the changes and a lot of sort of the chaos have come from Wanda's grief. We saw, or at least in this episode, I thought I saw quite a bit of, as you said, things coming apart. And I had interpreted it a little bit differently because I had thought it was the power required to create the environment of Westview and keep everything running was either so great that it was overtaxing Wanda's powers or whoever was running it, or that she couldn't control it. And so different things were happening, different meaning, different than either she wanted or anticipated. Do you still see this as a part of her grief that she's going through? Absolutely. I think it's very much her grief and her processing her traumas and dealing with tremendous solitude, like this absolute isolation from everyone. And I think like over this episode and the next one, I think that comes through even more clearly with one of the elements or the surprise at the end that happens today is the reemergence of Pietro, her brother coming back from the past in a new body with a new attitude and a fantastic actor by the way. I just love him. But I think she's really dealing with the fact the elements of Westview she can control. She is still controlling with a degree of success, but there are more and more elements that she can't control. And I think it's less of the amount of power that it takes. I think she's got as pretty much as much power as she needs, is my theory about, about Wanda Maximoff. But I think it's the emotional control. She's starting to lose it because that takes a huge part of energy too, non-magical energy. And she's now creating things that exist outside of herself. And there are elements that she can't control as easily as the regular citizen citizens of Westview. So let's talk about when she goes to get Vision's corpse. Because I thought this was not only an incredibly powerful scene, not only an incredibly important scene, I almost felt like it could have been not its own episode, but its own movie. I thought there was so much baked into that scene. Literally, when she goes to, I guess it's S.W.O.R.D., to confront them, where she sees them working on Vision, where either through her own rage or her own design, she goes into the secure area to get the body, and then she takes the body, I suppose you're going to tell me that's grief, but I just saw it as very rich, very nuanced, very detailed, and all at the same time being incredibly overpowering. And I've described a scene which lasts 90 seconds, maybe. Oh, if that, yeah. Yeah, maybe 60 seconds. And I, first I was, when I first saw it, the first time I was just overwhelmed when I rewatched it, I was almost upset because I found it to be so central to her entire existence, not just this series. Now, having seen the, the movie, Dr. Strange movie, where she a little, learned a little bit more about her. But I was all, almost upset that we had not been given this information before because it also explained the series. And I really can't say enough about this scene. What were your thoughts, either 
first viewing, second viewing, or do you have a completely different interpretation? I thought a lot of it came from rage. I try to try imagine in that situation going to see the remains of your beloved partner who you were totally ready to spend your life with and was, was yanked horribly from your life to see them chopped into little pieces being used for possibly nefarious purposes. I think that would... If that if she hadn't been pushed over the edge before, before seeing parts of her lover's body disemboweled and in pieces being meddled with by strangers, that probably would have done it. And I think it really also casts a light on, even in our world that we live in, the word is completely escaping me. I had it a second ago. Autopsies are somewhat controversial. Should that be done to the remains of a loved one? And in what situations is that appropriate? I don't think anyone asked her for consent to do that to his body. So I think, yeah, I think it was rage. The lawyer in me says they're not married, so she has no legal rights. No big deal. Yeah, I can I feel that one. It, the rage. And I want our listeners to understand this rage comes about in it no more than five seconds. And but her acting, you can just feel it literally start at her toes and come all the way up her body. And then, of course, as the special effects kick in and she destroys the lab where he's being autopsied or worked on, it gets more and more powerful. But I just can't say enough about this scene. And I was a big fan of the TV show S.H.I.E.L.D. until the last few last few seasons. But S.H.I.E.L.D. did some sort of dicey things, but nothing compared to S.W.O.R.D. These guys, on the other hand... Vision is one of the greatest creations of humanity to this point. So it doesn't surprise me that he's being studied. Tony Stark would never have stood for that. <laughs> I did I did wonder where Tony was, and I wondered if we were going to see him in this. But th- this was so central to her story. I was just, first I was flabbergasted, then I was annoyed, then I was just pissed off that we didn't get this. This could have been the start of it for me, the whole, the start of the WandaVision series, and I would have understood so much more, but... I don't want to say the whole series is worth it for this 60 seconds, but this episode to me was worth it for that. No, fair enough. I thought, I think what, like, I, I agree it was a really interesting scene. I don't, like, I didn't have quite the same, this is the big pivotal moment. I thought that came more with her children, especially as they aged up. And I thought that was a really fascinating demonstration of the control versus lack of control. Because she was trying to control them, stop crying, using her magic, and it's not working. And then without her will, she hadn't, I don't think she had intended them to become you know, adorable little five-year-olds. I thought the whole way the children and she were interacting was really interesting. And the fact that she can't control them the way she can everyone else, I think makes a strong case for them to be considered real and for her actions in Multiverse of Madness to be maybe a little more understandable than we might have thought they were otherwise. So I went in a lot different direction (laughs) on that point. And here's what I thought. I thought... I I didn't thought, I think, they are real. And that they are characters she has created. And having tried to write fiction a few times, I've often written characters that go off in different directions that I had anticipated or even thought they might go, even while typing said character. Part of that was, yes, she created them, I no doubt that, but they're going to develop in ways... Because they're their own, they are their own characters, just as teenage boys and girls are their own persons. They're going to develop in their own ways. So that point actually made a lot of logical sense to me, and I didn't a lack or loss of control. I sense actually the flip side that 
they had the ability to, I don't want to say choose their own way, but certainly develop. And the I also love Pietro coming in, and it gets my love for that gets even better in the next episode. But he presents an entirely new and different influence on them. I think if he hadn't come into this episode, they may have developed in a different way, but he becomes such a big influence on them. Everybody's had the fun uncle and or the fun aunt. And like an interject, a personal anecdote in between our last episode and this one, I've become the proud auntie to twins. So congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Pietro has a huge influence on them in many ways as influential as their father because he's just a big kid. And so they view him as an uncle, yet really their age. So I really thought... The, a, I thought that was kind of another full house callback to sort of an Uncle Jesse character. Yeah, yeah. But let's get to Pietro at the end, because that wasn't a huge... I don't say it wasn't a huge reveal, but it was a reveal. And it was a reveal to Wanda. It was a reveal to her household. It was a reveal to Westview. But it was also a reveal to the sword... And Monica and those guys as well. Darcy and was so wh- great. They recast them. <laughs> yes, and they recast it. And it, I don't know who came up with that line, but that was one of the greatest lines of the whole series. They recast Pietro. And when in this episode, particularly when I first saw him, I had thought this was a part of her attempt because of her, now I know his grief, as you've explained it to me, to recreate the perfect family. But when I first saw it, I thought, well, of course she's going to have Pietro. And of course he'll appear. I was a little surprised the character he appeared at. That became clearer in the next episode. But I thought it was absolutely mandatory that Pietro in this series, and as I said, in, or we're going to explore in episode six, why I thought he was so important as in many ways her conscience, or even her big brother. I want to know, what did you think when, other than the absolute cool factor that I think we both felt, what were your sense or feelings when we met Pietro at the end? Again, the timing of it was really interesting because his arrival um, interrupted the first really big fight that Wanda and Vision were having. I think it started off with the where are the children, and then it really became... What are you doing? Vision is, he knows something is wrong and he wants an explanation. He wants some honesty and Wanda is absolutely unwilling to provide it. And it's getting really tense. They're both doing the superhero floating thing and all of a sudden the door knocks and then here's a specter from her past in a new form, completely canceling the argument and cutting the tension. I thought it was a really interesting, I think, again, like we were talking about earlier, both having the control and making things happen, but not entire control. I don't think, I don't think she, she planned oh, I'm going to put my brother in a new body and bring him back. That's weird. But the timing, I think, was very convenient for her for when that happened. So we really haven't talked about Vision in this episode. And I I thought Vision's, not necessarily his quest, but perhaps his questions were was just a flip side of what the children were doing as they developed their own character. But now after visiting with you on this, Could it have been that her rescuing him as she did, she rescued a part that could be reanimated and brought back to life so that there's really part of the original vision is there and it's not a new character who is developing their own character arc? Or once again, did you see something different in the questions vision had in this episode? I think so, because when you think about the context of the hex, 
X, right? So most of the characters in it were just normal people living in Westview who are now under Wanda's spell. Vision's character was animated from the remains of his body that were empty, and his sentience originally came in part from one of the Infinity Stones. Wanda's power comes from an Infinity Stone, too, so maybe he has been created into something that is more real and less controllable than a human who is impressionable and can be bent to your will. But yeah, I thought it was very much he's coming in a better understanding of what's going on. And again, it's going to be explored even more, I think, in the next episode. But he's just not buying it anymore. He's not buying everything that's going on. That brings us up to the end of episode five, but I hope our listeners will join us again. So I am Tom Fox, your co-host. And Megan Doherty, can't wait to see you next time in the Halloween Spooktacular. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as Megan and I had fun uh, re-watching WandaVision and bringing it to you. If you haven't re-watched WandaVision recently, I would urge you to do so. It's a, a great show and it certainly uh, bears uh, re-watching as well. As this is a relatively new podcast, I would ask if you would tell your friends about it. If you're a lover of all things MCU or pass it along to anyone else who you think might enjoy it. And really appreciate it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes. It would greatly help get out the word about this passion project around the MCU. Because that's what heroes do is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.